0: everybody i'm josh and i am Alyssa,
1: and we are back today's episode of the podcast was on fire and it wasn't my fault a read-along pod with sleepless hosts who dig into the good the great and the problematic of the dresden files series by jim butcher boy oh boy we have uh, Part six of Summer Night. Summer Night, of course, book four in the Dresden Files series. <clears throat> we are just knocking on the door of that climax. Exciting times. How you doing today, Ice?
0: I'm doing all right. A little tired? Right there with you. It was a uh,
1: long weekend. A good weekend, but a long weekend. And then a bit of a wasted day yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Woke up in my car and... Very good times, so an exciting Sunday night, presumably. And then uh, back at it today, just grinding through. Most exciting thing I did today was take a shower, a very nice warm shower. and I'm uh, just about back to human beingness. How about yourself?
0: I had a neurology appointment. Ooh, that's exciting. Very exciting. Hopefully I'll be able to deal with these migraines soon.
1: I had to just cut the whole thing off and start fresh.
0: (laughs) Easier said than done, unfortunately can't just quite a, pop the brain out just a snip
2: <laughs>
0: oh man
1: well that's fun times mm-hmm. um yeah, we had a great tournament this weekend two and two but the two losses were competitive against very good teams and really should have won one of them good win over an old team i used to coach for that we smashed and then a buzzer beater against one of the top teams in the nation nice was literal buzzer beater very good stuff. The parents eat that eat that stuff up. So, good momentum moving into this
0: week. Awesome. Uh, how's NorCal? Still, still corpses popping up, or uh? Of course, looking for a job. Not as, not as busy as it's been, but still dead people all about. No, oh, that's lame. I would say they should stop doing that personally. I mean, you know, it's part of the circle of life.
2: I mean, definitionally, it's the end of it, I guess.
1: Um, I guess it's a circle. There's no end. <laughs> I'd never make it as a Ravenclaw. All right. So uh, you want to catch us up in universe?
0: All right. So let's see. We have last we saw our plucky adventurers. They had gotten into a carriage that was basically veiled in the city of Chicago, the streets of Chicago. We had one horse that was obviously winter and one horse that was obviously summer. And they head off in search of the mothers. All right. So about five minutes of weaving a veiled carriage through traffic in
1: -hmm. Chicago, they ended up out in a silver gray mist and a forest and certainly not at all creepy. As the carriage opens it up, they hop out. There's a tattered looking raven. Um, that they have a fun little back and forth about. Mm -hmm. They see just a, a little ways ahead. There's kind of a cabin or whatever with a light, On and that's going to be the spot where they're trying to head and find the mothers. As they start getting down towards the cabin, they notice that there is a guardian of some sorts. is a terrifying looking gigantic (laughs) unicorn. Mm -hmm. Which the description of the unicorn is interesting. It's not horse 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 shaped. (laughs) It's not horse forward. Yeah, Uh, it it is horse shaped, but it has like different a totally different texture. It's got like. chitinous scales and plates and a spiral horn from its forehead and terrifying like a, like a serrated spiraling horn i love every part about it and there's blood all over its hooves it like is stabbing butterflies and shit it's basically just like a, a murder beast <laughs> harry says unicorns very dangerous you go first
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> i love that <laughs>
1: So they talk about how they can get rid of it. And Harry's like, well, could we blow it up? She's like, well, I don't know how the mothers would feel if we killed their guardian. It's like, all right. (laughs) So they decide to put their knowledge of unicorns to the test here. And I guess unicorns can feel your feelings, basically. They sense your thoughts. And so Elaine is going to kind of walk away from Harry and think positive thoughts and dream dreams and be pure. As things go and she starts to do that and she starts to get the unicorn um, out of the path and Harry decides to start going, but they realize the unicorn isn't as tricked as they had hoped. It starts coming after Harry. He Fuegos it. He tries to blast it, smack it in the uh, small little bones in its legs and uh, isn't successful really on either point. (laughs) <laughs> um, it, basically just coming, coming to bear. It's got his horn through trees and just absolutely just destructive. But he sneaks out as Elaine finally gets a little bit more concentration over it and he blasts in and gets to the mother's door and she says she's going to hold it for a little bit. He says, I don't want to leave you alone. And she says, you won't be. When it get, gets loose, I'm not waiting around for it to skewer me. So he's going to get in there, have it, a have it chit
0: chat, and she's going to dip as soon as he gets through. They have question for you. In that moment when he's they're trying to control the unicorn. The, the memory that he sees of Elaine. What do you think about that?
1: Her laugh, quiet and wicked in the dark? No,
0: that the, the little light streaked towards the unicorn and gathered around it, swirling and flashing in a dazzling cloud. One of them brushed against me and my senses abruptly went into whiteout, overwhelmed with a simple image of walking down a sidewalk in worn shoes, the sun bright overhead, a purse bumping on my hip. That one. It was a memory, something from Elaine.
2: Yeah, no, I'm trying to find uh, it in my uh, thing here.
0: I don't
1: have any notes okay. on it. I was just curious. I, I don't, I, don't know, I just reread it here. It doesn't have a whole lot of information, so it's tough to really say when or where. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting.
0: It's just a weird... Have we seen her carrying a purse? I don't think so. Yeah. It, it was just one of those where after, you know, learning that she's a fucking bitch, uh, it kind of made me wonder if this was intentional, that she intentionally sent this to him.
1: Well, I actually do want to circle back on the unicorn and the mind fogs, the mind issues here, because I do have actual some notes and some questions about wanting your thoughts, but after the reveals later. So definitely put a pin in that. You know, there's another memory later on in the chapter, right towards the end, where he's, you know, where he's lying in bed with Mm -hmm. her and like the feeling of her slender fingers slip through mine, which is all very interesting, but I don't think there's any clues or specifics that we're supposed to take from that. But I, you know, I'm just the dumb guy slamming his head into the keyboard over here, Liz. You're the (laughs) the brains behind this operation. I don't know about that. He runs towards the lights in the mist and we mosey on over to chapter 26.
0: Yes. And so we learn, he gives us this great kind of depiction, description of the never-never. The more we spend time here, the more he explains to us. And the never-never is a big place. In fact, it's the biggest place. The never-never is what the wizards call the entirety of the realm of spirit. It isn't a physical place, with geography and weather patterns and so on. It's a shadow world, a magical realm, and its substance is as mutable as thought. It has a lot of other names, like the other side, the next world, and it contains within it just about any kind of spirit realm you can imagine somewhere. Heaven, hell, Olympus, Elysium. Tataris, Gehana, you name it—and it's in the Never Never somewhere, in theory, at any rate. And it kind of tells us that the largest part of the Never Never is is she, also called Fairy, and it has ties with the natural world. Basically, there's rules, and there's more permanence in the world of Fairy. It's less changing than everything else, but the rules of reality don't apply as tightly as they do in our world. So Fairy can be vicious, tre- viciously treacherous. Most who go in, never come back. And Harry's gone in several times and always came back. I thought that was kind of fucking significant. So he approaches the cabin and the lights turned out to be a pair of lit windows on a cottage that stood by itself on a slight rise of ground. Stone obelisks, the size of coffins, some fallen and cracked and others still upright stood scattered in loose rings around the mound. The raven rested on one of them. It's beady eyes gleaming it let out another croaking sound and flew through an open window of the cottage. Very visual. But I was thinking about the obelisks, the stone obelisks. It's very, um, the standing stones of, of the, of the Celtic history.
2: You know, Ooh, that's what, that okay. was
0: instantly what I thought about. Like the like stone obelisks, some are falling, but they're standing around a mound. And the concept of fairy mounds is also very really interesting. It's like, that's where the fairies congregate. And so the door opens. A med- melodramatic opening door all by itself, and a voice, little more than a creaking whisper, said, Come in, boy. We have been expecting you. And this voice belongs to a figure that, as though someone had animated a bundle of blankets and cloth, on the hearth above the <laughs> fireplace, that several sets of teeth, more or less human-sized, One looked simple enough, all white and even. The next was rotting, rotted-looking with chipped incisors and broken molar. The next that had all pointy teeth stained with bits of rusty brown and what looked like rotten bits of flesh stuck between them. The last was made out of some kind of silvery metal shining like a sword. Interesting, came the creaky voice from the creaking chair. Most interesting. Can you feel it? Uh. From the other side of the cottage, a brisk voice tisks, and I spun to face the newcomer. Another woman, stooped with age, blew dust from the shelf and ran a no cloth over it before replacing the bottles and jars. She turned and eyed me with glittering green eyes from within a weathered but rosy face. Of course I do. The poor child, he's walked a thorny path. And then this old woman, this crone, puts her hands on either sides of his head, and she sees into him, she sees his scars. And, but she, and she says, strength, though, and he can be clever at times. It would be, it would seem your daughter chose ably. Mother Summer, I presume, he says. And in the chair was Mother Winter. And I do love that, I love that they're these two old crones that have all the power in the universe are just chilling in a cottage. And it's very different from what we know about the, the rest of the fairy world, where Summer and Winter are you know they're almost almost um, enemies, but that these two old ladies in their retirement are—they're bonded. They're like a—they're a, they, a pair of of, of women who they—they they seem to appreciate each other and kind of understand each other. And I—I I think it's fascinating.
2: Just kind
1: of living an odd couple well, life yeah, out in the middle definitely. of the woods. And they're, and they're- but
0: it's fan- <laughs> it's fantastic. And so he's like, you know, I came here for answers, and. um, he says no, no, no. He says no offense, but I didn't come here so you could ask me questions, because they said that you, uh, we will ask you a question, and for each for your answer, we will each give you an answer to what you seek. And Mother Winter tells him that, or sorry, Mother Summer says that that he doesn't know what t- questions to ask. So Mother Winter says, simply tell us, boy, which is more important, the body or the soul? Mother Summer picked up. They both fell silent, and I felt them. Their focus on me like the tip of a knife resting against my skin. I suppose it would depend on who was asking whom, I said finally. We ask, Winter whispered, Summer nodded, and we ask you. I thought about my words for a moment before I, st- I spoke. I know, it shocked me too. <laughs> then I would say that, that were I old, sick and dying, I would believe that the soul is more important, and if I was a man about to be burned at the stake in order to preserve his soul, I would believe that the body is more important. Fairly said, Mother Winter rasped at last. Wise enough, Summer agreed. Why did you give that answer, boy? Because it was a stupid question. The answer isn't as simple as one or the other. Precisely, Summer said. This child sees what she does not. It is not her nature, Winter murmured. She is what she is. These are strange times. Hold on, I said. What she are you talking about here? It's Maeve, isn't it? Mother Winter made a wheezing, a quiet wheezing sound that could have been a laugh. I answered your questions, I said, so pay up. Patience, boy, Mother Summer said. She took a kettle from a hook by the fireplace and poured tea into a pair of cups. She dipped what looked like honey into each, then cream, then gave one to the Mother Winter. I waited until each of them had sipped before I said, Right, patience expired. I can't afford to wait. Tonight is midsummer. Tonight the balance begins to tilt back to winter, and Maeve is going to try to use a stone table to seal the summer night's mantle for keeps. Indeed. Something to be prevented at all costs. Then what is your question? Who killed the summer knight? Who stole his mantle? You ask a foolish question, boy. You are more clever than this. What is that supposed to mean? It means that who is not as important as why and how. Think, boy, what has the theft of the the mantle accomplished? War between the courts, for one. Odd activity in the magical and natural world alike but mostly the coming war, winter and summer, gathering to battle at the stone table. Exactly, Winter whispered. Think, wizard, how was it done? Theft is theft, whether the prize is food or riches or or beauty or power. And Harry figures it out. You know, when something is stolen, a couple of things can happen. It can be carried away to where it cannot be reached, hoarded, such as the dragons do. Yeah, okay, uh, it can be destroyed. No, it can't. Your own sage tells you that. The German fellow with wild hair. Einstein, I muttered. Okay, then, but it can be re- rendered valueless or it can be sold to someone else, both of which, both of which are change. So basically, what they, they're saying here is that, that power is like energy. It doesn't disappear, it's not destroyed, it just changes. And they are trying to get him to ask about that change. And so he asks, How does this mantle pass on from one night to the next? It returns to the nearest reflection of itself. To the nearest vessel of Summer. She, in in turn, chooses the next night. That meant that only one of the queens of Summer could be behind it. Titania was already out. She had begun war against Mab because she didn't know where the mantle was. Mother Summer would not have been telling me this information if she'd been the one to do it. That left only one person. Stars and stones. Aurora. The two mothers set down their teacups together. Time presses, Summer said. Which is interesting because they just said that, you know, hold your, hold your horses. And now they're like, all right, let's go in. And so. Yeah, there's been a lot of that stuff started. Yeah, but and the fairies are so, so patient. And then, you know, he says, can't you help? And they said, it's not that simple. We have power, but bound within certain limits. We cannot interfere with the queens or ladies, not even on a matter so dire as this. And Mother Winter hands him a piece of woven cloth. and. She says, it is an unraveling. A what? An unmaking, boy. I am the unmaker, the destroyer. It is what I am. Bound within those threads is the power to undo any enchantment done. Touch the cloth to that which must be undone. Unravel the threads. It will be so. And his first thought is for Susan. That this could fix Susan.
2: Well, oh, heartbreaking. It is.
0: And he says, is this a gift? And she said, and Winter says, no, but a necessity. What am I supposed to do with it? Mother Summer shook her head. It is yours now and yours to employ. We've reached the limits of how we may act. The the rest is yours. And he then says, oh, by the way, apologize if I hurt your unicorn in any way. Mother Summer arched a brow. Winter's head shifted and I could see the gleam of light on yellow teeth. Her voice rasped, what unicorn? The door shut again of its own accord. Freaking weirdo fairy biddies. <laughs> I think that is spectacular. And so he kind of talks to himself a little bit. And, and you know, the mothers have, may have given some, me some insight and a magic doily, but they sure as hell hadn't given me a freaking clue as to how to resolve this. And I realized they hadn't really said Aurora did it. But he knew they had to speak truth, so th- he's still kind of confused. And Shocker. He says, what? You-? So, very, so
1: very out of character right? for Harry. <laughs>
0: What unicorn? I nod over the question. I nod over the question. If it was indeed a statement of importance, not just some passing mutter, then it had to mean something. I frowned. It meant that there hadn't been a guardian around the little cottage, or at least not one that Mother Winter had put there. So who had? The answer hit me low in the gut, a sensation of physical sickness coming along with the realization. I stopped and clawed for my sight. I didn't get to it before Grum came out from under a veil. Elaine standing close behind him. He caught me flat-footed. The ogre drove a sledgehammer fist toward my face. There was a flash of impact, a sensation of falling, and cool earth beneath my cheek. Then the scent of Elaine's subtle perfume. Then blackness. So I was right not to trust the bitch. I'm just saying.
2: Oh, man. Fucking Elaine. So I really do like the uh, everything about the Unraveling. I just think it's a
1: cool piece of magic, and it's cool how we see her put it together on the spot and kind of just gives us an inkling of her power. You yes. Know? I just thought that was a cool idea for a spell. Definitely. That was my only thought on that chapter. So he comes to in a new and cool kind of circle that we've never seen before. We've seen circles. Yes. But this one is just made out of toadstools, which is fitting Mm -hmm. for the summer lady. Also, the kind of beauty and danger of that particular piece of... uh, Is it still flora, even though it's kind of different because it's a fungus? Either way. (laughs) But that particular choice of a toadstool, I think, is a great one, uh, kind of thematically. Mm -hmm. Because it is, you know, as dangerous as it is natural. Yeah and one, and beautiful. So he was trapped. And he sees his five captors. They are Aurora, the Summer Lady. She's dressed ready for war. And then we see Grum, the Ogre. We see Lloyd Slate. We see Elaine. And the Unicorn. And we realize that the Unicorn is actually Koric. And Grum, this whole time, has been the Lord Marshal. Which does a couple things. One, it kind of reframes the entire story, right? It, 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 there never was a grum. It was always this Lord Marshal of Summer at each step. And so it definitely changes, at least in my mind, the understanding of each of those encounters. Yeah. Um, it also means there was no unicorn. Mm-hmm. So my question for you now is, you know, referencing what we talked about a couple of chapters ago, if there was no unicorn, why were those powerful th- memories? floating? she was around?
0: manipulating him.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, and the last chunk of memories she was using was of them back when they were lovers, which just adds another layer layer of betrayal and disappointment to the th- things that Elaine's done, in my mind, at least. Um, very much a willing participant in the manipulation as opposed to what she kind of tries to show herself as it's like oh I had to do it here versus like she's being an over the top dick here and I I don't, I don't trust her beyond what the text tells us not to t- trust her is all yeah. I get at Either way they asked him how long he knew he's like I just put it together like I'm <laughs> trying to figure this out <laughs> And basically, what she's trying to do is make sure that he hasn't told anyone else what's happened before they kill him. Um, he figures out how they killed the summer night. Elaine opened a way. Lloyd Slate killed him, which is just, again, fucking Elaine. Yeah. Man. Um. Agreed. He says they didn't hire the ghoul, so we still don't know what the fucking tigress's mm-hmm. deal is. But
0: it just seems like there's so many players involved.
1: There are, and there's there a little overlapping and mm-hmm. stuff, but, um, you know, we get full circle into that with Lloyd Slate. We kn- knew by now that he had stabbed Elaine, but, and that sh- her fire had destroyed it, but it sounds like he decided he allowed her to use fire and destroy it, and she kind of milked the injury. Again, just taking full advantage of, of you know, her old friend. Yeah. Uh, Aurora, you know, Decide. You know, explains her plan in a Bond villain way. She's just like, oh, it all, it's all terrible. We just have to destroy it and start over. None of this summer, winter, constant back and forth Mm -hmm. fighting. We're just going to end it. We're going to give one one side more power than the other, and we're just going to end this whole fucking charade of a life, of an existence on this mortal coil. (laughs) <laughs> where Aurora says, does the White Council know what you discovered? And Jerry says, bite me, fairy fruitcake. <laughs> she says, what did you
2: say? Hey. <laughs> it's
0: just there. I, I love how he's just like, I'm going to die, so fuck you.
1: Yeah, you fairy. <laughs> and that was the exact same um, e- equivalence that Bob mentioned earlier, where he said, don't call them fairies, you don't like being called an ape yeah. or whatever. Bob
2: knows. Of course he does. Bob just knows.
1: <laughs> Lloyd Slade expa- explains what he's going to get out of this deal, which is he thinks he's going to get the Summer Nights mantle. He's going to be Aurora's like, number two or whatever. And she, he's just like, how stupid do you think you are, brother? <laughs> like, really? Really? This is what you think? And then she still doesn't tell him he's lying. and he, She says he's a trickster and desperate. He'd say anything. But she doesn't actually say, oh, no, 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 you're going to get all this power. You're going to get this, you know, um,
2: again, everyone's an idiot yes. is basically the moral of this story. It's very true. Well, and, and it's it's. Everyone is easily swayed. Yeah, everyone's hearing what they want to hear. Yeah,
0: Very much so. Um, you know, th-
1: Everything's, good. Everything's gonna work out for the best. Just come on, come along with me. You're, you're gonna give me special and powerful and wonderful. Okay, Jim um, Jones.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> just sip on this. Uh, Kool-Aid. No, it it's not Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid, but
0: same, same idea. Flavor. Flavor Aid. Yeah. Sip on this Flavor Aid. Um, can't even afford the good Kool-Aid. Seriously. I wonder if they had real Kool-Aid though in Ghana.
2: I'm I, sorry, it was just I, one of
0: those random details that popped into my head. Why Why wouldn't that? Well, I just in, in. I don't know what, uh, what the availability would be. In the 80s, late 80s, right? I don't remember what year the Jonestown thing
2: happened. It, no, oh, late 70s, 78. Wow. Guyana, not Ghana.
0: Guyana, okay. The People's Temple. Mm-hmm. He was a shitty, creepy, disgusting human. And then he did that. <laughs> All right, moving on.
2: Sorry. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I was just looking at his Wikipedia. Right, page. He sucked into it. Um, we know that the Summer N- Night's mantle is now in Lily, and Lily is statuified.
1: And she was in the garden. It's the statue he saw. Which is brilliant.
2: Yeah, he saw a couple... This is brilliant storytelling. Oh, yeah. Hiding in plain sight. Um, so there's two statues.
1: One of them, her arms are outstretched over her head. The other, she's holding like a butterfly or something like that. Um, that second one is... We see it a couple times moving forward in the novels. Uh-huh. Where, like a kind of a fla- fiery little butterfly, is representative of summer power, and so she's literally holding the power. That's of- that's the that that's the night's mantle. Um, that's her get right right as she's receiving the power of she's the winter, of the summer night. She's turned. Um, but that's th- that's the one of the two statues I believe that is. The real Lily. I haven't read ahead. I don't remember if they describe it later, but um, that's fascinating. Almost assuredly, almost assuredly, that's going to be the one. Not that it matters. Back and forth with Elaine, where you know he says, "What are you getting out of this?" And she says, "Survival." Mm-hmm. You know, she she promised to help Aurora. Um, it was she. She says earlier there was a cost for her to be hidden away by Summer, and this is it. She basically has to be. Aurora's bitch. Bitch, basically, her servant. And Harry says, Someone's going to get hurt if she isn't stopped. And Elaine says, Someone gets hurt every day. When it gets right down to it, doesn't matter who, how, or why, people are going to die, Elaine. Better them than me. Better me than you, too, huh? Looks that way. Which is certainly cold and callous. Um, and I think the way I read this is, she's not this cool. She isn't this callous. She's putting on a show. I mean, she is doing what she has to do, and she's doing wrong, bad things. I do believe she isn't a willing participant in this. Like, I mean, I know I, I said otherwise a few minutes ago. I, I don't believe she's all in. How's that?
0: Okay. Um, she's been manipulated to this place, but she also is a bad guy. She's also shitty. Like. Yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not trying to absolve her by any means, and that's what I'm saying. Like some of the memories she was pushing over Harry, there just
0: it's manipulation. It's unnecessary. It's, yeah, like, I mean, it's shady, it's it gross, and, and
1: yeah. So what? And why would we? It's over the top. It's unnecessary. So that's why I don't think she's this sad wilting flower. Um, but I also do want to give her some credit. I mean, this this conversation back and forth. She very much isn't all in on the plan. She just is kind of doing what she does. And and we see here moving forward that it's not going to all be bad. But still. From her.
2: But it's still. Oh, yeah. Still fuck her. her. Don't uh, be wrong. Go ahead.
0: I just. I don't like her. But it just. She's. While she might not be all in. She's all in enough to potentially kill her friend. Yeah, she gives him an out, but potentially kill her friend. Who was supposed to be her friend, at least. Who he helped. And it's just everything she's done so far up to this point is manipulative. And it irked me.
1: 100%. So, we square up, and Lord Lloyd Slate looks like he's about ready to slice and dice. Yes. And Aurora says, a grim
0: business. Goodbye, Mr. Dresden. I do have a question about Lloyd Slate. Oh? Oh. In with Maeve, they're drugging him. How is he able to do all of this and be drugged? All of what? Getting himself involved with Aurora and all of this subterfuge. It's just one of those... It was just a thought I had. I
1: mean, when you do a little bit of drugs, you're not like...
0: But it's as though he's addicted to it. Immediately living in... No,
1: I... Not not immediately living in Requiem for a Dream. No, I know that. So, I mean, they're certainly using substances of one sort or another to kind of keep him yeah. chill, but like
0: he gets around town. I'm just curious. Um, like, it's just, it's an interesting kind of dichotomy. And it's also a chicken or the egg thing. Was the, were, did the drugs make him get involved here or did he get involved here because of the drugs? I mean, or did he did the drugs make him get involved here where he just needed out? Or were, was he Given the drugs, you cut out there. Uh, he or did he was he given the drugs because he was stepping out? You know what I mean. It's that uh, too. Too.
2: Like the egg egg thing. Thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. i
1: mean, I think that. I think they're just completely separate. I mean, the the drug. He's definitely like trying to get away from mave for sure. He remember he was yeah. already a douchebag. He was already abusive, and it's this you know the subtext very rapey with yeah. um Lily and that group so he, it's not like he's a bad guy being pushed to this or good guy being pushed to this he was it's a douchebag um, you know, I think he just I, I think that was just Maeve is going to use whatever tool she can to control yeah. people and I think that is part of why he wants to hurt Maeve and break away from mm-hmm. Maeve but Maeve isn't the only queen of winter so he's also choosing to do these things
2: to other powerful yeah. beings bitch is a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's, uh, see how it works out for him.
0: He says, I faced Slate head-on. I figured as long as I was going to take one of those swords, it might as well have a shot of killing me pretty quick. No sense in dragging it out. <laughs> but I left my eyes on Aurora and held whatever power I had gathered up and ready. I'm sorry, Wizard, Aurora said. You're about to be, I muttered. So Slate draws his blade back, and he's going to slice and dice, and Elaine stops him. Wait. Aurora gave Elaine a sharp and angry look. What are you doing? Protecting you, Elaine said. If you let Slate kill him, he'll break the circle around Dresden. Aurora looked from Elaine to me and back. And? Elaine! I snarled. She regarded me with flat eyes. And you'll leave yourself open to his death curse. He'll take you with him, or make you wish he had. He isn't that strong. Don't be so sure, Elaine said. He's the strongest wizard I've ever met. Strong enough to make the White Council nervous. Why take, a, why take a pointless risk so close to the end? You treacherous bitch, I said. God damn you, Elaine. Yet he is too dangerous to leave alive. Yes, Elaine agreed. What would you suggest? We're in the never-never, Elaine said. Arrange his death and leave. Once you are back in mortal lands, he won't be able to reach you. Let him spend his curse on Mab if he wishes or on his godmother, but it won't be on you. But when I leave, my power will go with me. He won't be held by the circle. What do you suggest?" Elaine regarded me passionlessly. Drown him, she said finally. Call water and let the earth drink him. I'll lock him into place with, my own, with a binding of my own. Mortal magic will last, even after I've left. Are you capable of holding him? I know his defenses, Elaine responded. I'll hold him as long as necessary. Aurora regarded me in silence for a moment. So much rage, she said. Very well, Elaine, hold him. And so she found him. And he said it was like a full body straitjacket. And everybody's leaving, and then Elaine stays there. And he says, Why, Elaine? I asked. I struggled furiously against the spell, but it was stronger than me. Why the hell did you stop her? You're an idiot, Harry. A melodramatic fool. You always were. I kept sinking into the earth and came level with her eyes. I could have stopped her. I couldn't be sure you wouldn't have thrown the curse at me, too, she looked over her shoulder. Aurora had paused, a dim shape in the mist, and was waiting. The watery earth kept drawing me down, and I looked up at her now, at the soft skin on the underside of her chin, and she looked down at me and said, Goodbye, Harry. She turned and walked after Aurora, then she paused, one leg bent and turned enough so that I could see her profile. She said in the same casually neutral tone, It's just like old times. And after that, they left me there to die. And he, in true hairy fashion, breaks apart stuff and is trying to think of, okay, well, I've been in trouble before, but, you know, not in that kind of tick-tock, here it comes way. And he's thinking of how he can get out of this, how he can free himself. He's acting. He's not just, re- he's not just accepting and reacting. And it's just like old times. Yeah, just like old times, Elaine, you backbiting, tr- poisonous, treasonish sorry, poisonous, treacherous, and then I thought, hit me, just like old times. Deceitful, wicked, clever girl. If this works, I'll buy you a pony. Which I love that. I put the studied indifference of her words together with her whole bloodless attitude. That wasn't the Elaine I remembered. I could buy that she would murder me in a fit of rage, poison me out of flaming jealousy, or bomb my car out of sheer stubborn peak. But she would never do it and feel nothing. He starts to sink. He continues to sink. He's waiting for Aurora's circle to vanish. And then he starts reaching out for the fabric of Elaine's spell. I'd been right. It was the same binding she used when we were kids. When she'd been holding me down while my old master, Justin DeMorn prepared to enthrall me. I'd found the way out as a kid because Elaine and I had shared certain impatience for our magical studies. Besides schoolwork, we'd been forced to pursue an entirely different regimen of spells and mental disciplines as well. Some nights we would have homework until dinner, then had write for the magical stuff until well after midnight, working out spells and formulae to our, till, um, until our eyes ached. Toward the end, that got to be rough when all we wanted to do was be in bed, doing things much less scholarly and much more hormonal until other parts ached. <clears throat> to the end, we'd split the work. One of us would work out the spell while the other did the homework, and then a quick round of copying and straight to bed. I'd been the one who worked out the sculpt, worked out the binding, and it sucked. It sucked because it had no flexibility to it, no subtlety, no class. It dropped a, hardened, a cocoon of hardened air around the target and locked it there. Period. End of story. As a desperate man about to die, I realized that it was a brittle spell, like a diamond that had, was simulta- simultaneously the hardest substance on earth and easily fractured if struck at the correct angle. And he's under, under, under the mud now. And he throws out his energy and feels it loosening. loosening. I'd done it. I'd escaped the the binding. Now I was merely drowning in what amounted to quicksand. And he uses his powers to get out. And he gets stuck in a tree. His boots fall off. And he says, you foil a fairy queen. I panted to myself, survive your own execution, get away from certain death and get stuck up a freaking tree. God, I hope no one sees you like this. <laughs> and of course, in that moment, footsteps come. And it is the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper sounded as if he had to swallow half a gallon of laughter as he responded. Greetings, Wizard Dresden. Am I interrupting anything? And the gatekeeper tells him how he can get down. He explains what he sees, and he gets down. And he says, What are you doing here? Looking for you. You've been watching? He shook his head. Call it listening, but I have had glimpses of you and matters are worsening in Chicago. Stars and stones, I muttered picked up, and picked up my boots. I don't have time to chat. But you do. My vision is limited, but I know that you have accomplished your mission for the Winter Queen. She will keep her end of the bargain, grant a safe passage through her, we- her realm. So far, the council is concerned. That will be enough. You would be safe. I hesitated. Wizard Dresden, you could end your involvement in the matter. You could choose to step clear of it. Right now, it would end the trial. My aching, weary half smothered and dirty self liked that idea. End it. Go home. Get a hot shower. A bunch of hot food. Sleep. It was impossible anyway. It was only one tired, beat-up, strung-out guy, wizard or not. The fairies had way too much power and tricks to deal with on a good day, let alone this one. I knew what uh, Aurora was up to now, but hell, she was getting set to charge into the middle of a battlefield, a battlefield furthermore that I had no idea how to even find, much less survive. The stone table had been in some weird pocket of the never-never, like nothing I'd ever felt before. I had no idea how to reach it. And he tells himself, it's way too dangerous.
2: And he just wants to go home.
0: And he says now it would be used the unraveling would be used for something else entirely, and as much as I wanted to forget about it and go home, I would bear a measure of responsibility for the consequences of its use if I did. I shook my head and looked around until I spotted my bag, jewelry, staff, and rod on the ground several yards away from the muddy bog Aurora had created. I just I recovered all of them. No, it isn't over. No, the gatekeeper said, surprised in his tone. Why not? Because I'm an idiot, and there are people in trouble. Wizard, no one expects you to stop a war. I do too. No one expects you to stop a war between the she courts. I love The council Mary. would assign no such person to, and no such responsibility to any one person. To hell with the she courts, I said. And to hell with the council too. There are people I know in trouble, and I'm the one who turned some of this loose. I'll clean it up. You're sure, the gatekeeper said. You won't step out of the trial? I won't. The gatekeeper regarded me in silence for a moment and said, then I will not vote against you. A little chill went through me. Oh? You would have? Had you walked away, I would kill you myself. Why? Because voting against you would have been the same thing in any case. It seems meet to me that I should take full responsibility for that choice rather than hiding behind cons- council protocol. Well, thanks for not killing me then. If you'll excuse me, I've got somewhere to be. And he hands them... He, sorry, he hands them a small bag. Inside is a little glass jar of some gel and a grayish stone on a fine piece of silvery thread. Gatekeeper explains that the ointment ointment will be easier on the nerves than using the sight to see through veils. And the stone, sorry, the rock is a piece of the stone table and it will show him how to get there. I blinked some more, this time in surprise. You're helping me? That would constitute interfering in the trial, he corrected me. So far as anyone else is concerned, I'm merely seeing to it that the trial can reach its full conclusion. If you'd just given me the rock, maybe. The ointment is something else. You're interfering. The council will have a fit. The gatekeeper sighed. Wizard, Dresden, this is something I have never said before and do not anticipate saying again. Sometimes what the council does not know does not hurt it. I found myself grinning. I shook his hand. Hurry, the council do not interfere with internal affairs of the she, but we will do what we can. Allah and good fortune to you. And they step through a portal into Chicago, and he is home. And there's a huge storm going, obviously. And he goes home to get a shower. He had calls to make, and he wanted to change into non slimy clothes. My fashion sense is somewhat stunted, but I still had to wonder, what do you wear to a war?
2: <laughs> I love that. You went with basic black. You can't really go wrong. I do love that. Probably. And that's probably what I would wear.
1: That or fairy-made armor. That would help. If I had a choice.
2: (laughs) He made a couple phone calls. He set an old doctor's valise outside the front door.
1: Got a quick shower and got dressed in black. His mostly clean
2: black jeans. I like that.
1: Um, All the way through to a black ball cap.
2: And his leather duster. Completing the uh, ensemble. So he gets all his
1: tools together. His accoutrement. His piece of the stone table. Gift from the
2: gatekeeper, who we're going to talk about as we move forward, um, once we get to analysis for sure. And Billy and the werewolf show up.
1: I love they just have this van full of hot naked young people. <laughs> and he looks in there and he, he's like, "Hey, I, I, I only said volu- i said volunteers only. Like, we don't know what we're getting into." And Billy's like, "Right, yeah, that's 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 what we're here for." Well, the alphas are badasses. They all agree. They all want to. Uh, they agree to you know listen to Harry and follow his orders, but they want to help. He sees Merrill in the back, along with Fix. They're gonna do what they can to help. I find myself doing this at almost 40, but he said he, he, he looked around and grimaced. They all look so damned young. He's not even 30 yet. they're like, like 27, 28 years old here. He like, oh, goodness. They've been fighting and battling and doing their thing for you know, a couple of years now, but this was definitely going to be over their, yeah. above their pay grade for sure. For sure. As they all squeeze in, he asked Billy, did you get him?" He hands him over a bag from Walmart. Um, He's like, yeah, that's what took so long to get here. There's police tape all over and cops. Oh my God, at the Walmart?
0: That's (laughs) spectacular. I didn't notice that
1: before. I just Mm -hmm. love the the full circle. And um, there's a bunch of orange plastic box knives. He opens the package, throws them into the doctor's valise, snaps it closed. Let's go. He's like, all right, go where? And he does, he has a tracking spell going with the piece of the stone table where it's on a string and it kind of pulls in the direction of the table. And so they follow along and he says
2: that away towards the lake. He says, got it. So where are we heading? Yeah, <laughs> he I just love just points that. a finger up <laughs> until he says up. We're going up. <laughs> up there.
1: Where up there? There, up there. As he points to the storm. <laughs> it's just like yeah, right? you could just use your words. But he's like, I hope you know a couple of streets I don't.
0: you really the entertaining. Oh.
1: And the description of the situation is also pretty darn good. The, uh, so, so what's the score, Harry? Well-intentioned but dangerously insane bad guys are ahead coming down the stretch. The fairy courts are duking it out up there, and it's probably going to be very hairy. The summer lady is our baddie, and the winter (laughs) night is her bitch. She has a magic hanky. She's going to use it to change a statue into
2: a girl and kill her (sighs) on a big Flintstones table at midnight. I just... Fair enough. I mean... Okay.
1: (laughs) Uh, So Meryl overhears this and says, A girl? Lily? He's like, yep. We got to find Aurora and stop her. Save the girl. Or what happens? Badness.
2: Kaboom, badness? Mostly longer term than that. Like what? Any sages? <laughs> uh,
1: Billy's mm-hmm. kind of our stand-in here. He just asking some questions. Um, the audience stand-in, which is fine. We know that the table's going to change hands at midnight. Mm-hmm. It's good. Right now, it belongs to summer. It's going to belong to winter at midnight.
2: So the plan is to get there, fight Aurora, use the unraveling on mm-hmm. Lily. And get her free of the table before they kill her. They
1: get down to the docks. And he starts putting the ointment, like eye black, basically, on all the, ki- all the mm-hmm. kids and himself. And it's just like, uh, like Gatekeeper said, it's like the sight. It prevents a lot of the fairy glamour from being able to control them. Which is cool. So the alphas wolf out, and they hear something, and they all scatter. <laughs> like the, uh... Meryl puts on a, uh, jean jacket that like has some steel plates like sewn into it and she's got a machete and a wood axe
2: I just like the idea of just like to the teeth yeah but it just seems like a uh I don't know, like a punk rock kind of look mm-hmm.
1: definitely works <laughs> for sure um she's gonna go smash nazis yeah. <laughs> In New York in the 70s. Skinheads, not Nazis. Fix takes out a toolbox as his weapon, which I think is a little dumb. A lot dumb. Um, And it gets dumber as we get through the story, but whatever. It
0: just seems a little unwieldy. Not
1: a little. (laughs) (laughs) Just like it doesn't make any sense. Like, somebody get this man a club or something. (laughs) Something useful. So They start progressing towards the lake. As they get forward, all the lights go out. And so he fumbles with his amulet, trying to get it to start glowing. And Fix and Merrill beat him to it. And they get out kind of those chemical light
2: mm-hmm.
1: glow stick things. And as soon as they do, there's a gunshot. And Merrill gets blasted by the sniper. And the plan was for exactly this you turn out the light, somebody turns on a light. And you shoot them. You know
2: exactly where they are. Mm-hmm. The tigress now jumps on top of them. She thinks she's about to eat some human flesh, but she didn't realize there's seven or eight. How many alphas are
1: there at this point? But all the there's a bunch of werewolves. Yeah, there's a, there's her.
0: one or two or twelve.
1: And she uh, is about to just get murderified. And they do. They just take turns. Snapping on her neck and her hamstrings and her faces yep. and arms and gross all over the place. We still do need to worry about our sniper, but at least the tigress is out mm-hmm. of the play. And then one of the wolves comes up to him. and He's like, you want me to follow? <laughs> it's like, if it turns out that Timmy's stuck down the well, I'm going home.
0: I love that. <laughs> that made me laugh out
1: loud. So good, and they uh, take him over, and it's Ace, one of the other f- four changelings from before, yeah. the one who had to go to work or whatever, and that's why he wasn't around.
2: He's the one with the rifle, and he's the one who hired the ghoul. So he was the rifle at the Walmart. He was oh. exactly, Sorry, and it's that just me just right co- now.
1: Oh no, It's great. It's all it, all, it all comes together. And it was just kind of coincidental because he was working
2: with the reds, mm-hmm. the red court. And so, um, and his
1: plan was to use them to protect the four of them from Lloyd Slade. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, one of those ideas that like, this is to help my crew. Gotta do some bad stuff. And it just didn't, you know, didn't never works out that
2: way. The bad guys aren't the trustworthy ones. Weird. And uh so. Although, how did the Reds know where he would
1: show up and when? That is interesting, right? Like, how do they know? So the the Red Court knows more about the goings on Mm -hmm. here of the fairy court's the machinations than they're supposed to, for sure. Mm -hmm. And Ace and Merrill mentioned that they feel the call of the winter queen because mm-hmm. they're all of winter that they, they feel themselves being drawn.
2: But she's going to fight it and she starts kicking the shit out of him, which I love because <laughs> he's a piece of yeah. shit. They end up leaving, letting him go, basically. And
1: the stone table piece that the gatekeeper gave him leads them down towards the end of the dock and then as they get closer, the the piece of rock starts twitching up.
0: I just love the pointing up though. Like that literally was my favorite. Like where are we going? Yeah, thanks.
2: We're we're going that way. Um, where do these stairs lead? Or where do these stairs go? They
1: go up. Uh, Just a, uh, find these kind of
2: like very cool sounding shimmery star lit, the stairs over the wind-tossed waters of Lake Michigan.
1: And one step at a time, they start climbing up into a battle
2: in the sky, in the storm, above Lake Michigan. Harry he says, while we're young, come on. Ooh-wee. So we are the battle ready to go. And we got one
1: more week till we're talking about what happens next. Hey, very exciting! All right, time for some analysis. Yes. All right. So, uh, what would you think about this chunk? Any questions or anything that
0: jump out at you right away? I hate that bitch. Um, yes, yes, yes. But I, I'm, I'm really like proud of myself that I like I was accurate in this. It so was just something oh, yeah. about her that I was just like, mm, we don't like. I know, yike. She gives me bad feelings.
1: <laughs> yeah, and anyway, we had talked about this whenever she first appeared. It was mm-hmm. like they had brought Elaine up in every novel so far. Yeah. Um, and it looked like it could have just been another one of those, you know, where she comes up early and then they talk about her and then they move on with the, the current plot. And then, like, a chapter later, she shows up in person. Mm hmm. And we're just so
2: primed to be, like, overwhelmed by her showing up that it just feels like there's
1: got to be more to it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if that makes sense. And, like, it, so I like that you, you yeah. picked up on that because it it definitely – I mean, you know, you're supposed to be able to tell these things, I think. It's certainly foreshadowed, and she's a little shysty But um, I, I do love how you picked up on it because it – really was training us to kind of look the other way and just be so happy she's here yeah. that we don't pay attention. And um, well, that's what it was doing to Harry at least. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't
2: work for you.
0: Well, and I, and I, you know, it's sort of like I'm, I'm learning the, the ways of, of the butcher and um, I'm like, mm, I don't always trust you. Good sir. <laughs> um, and I definitely did. I just didn't like her. Uh, and I had strong feelings obviously. So yeah, yeah I was right. And a couple of these that I've been right on. Kind of exciting, <laughs> but I also really liked um where we saw more of uh, the union, I guess you could call it, of summer and winter in the, in the mothers, and that it was it's sort of the the uh, progression of where you have the mothers who are obviously well acquainted and their friends. And then you have the queens who are, at war, are starting a war with each other. And then you have the, um, the ladies who both are shit shows. They're both fucking insane. It's like every generation, it just gets worse, which is interesting.
1: Or you get settled in your old age.
0: That could be it too. But it's, it's just, it just seemed like everybody else had conflict but the mothers. They were working together to help.
1: Yeah, no, definitely interesting differences um, as we get through there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What um, we saw the gatekeeper again. Yes, I, ma- I mentioned Love earlier him. that I want in the novel that I wanted to speak more yeah. on him when he comes when he circles back around. This is him circling back around, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts for his role or his powers or his abilities?
0: Obviously, he's a he's a pretty fucking strong wizard, but I think he mm-hmm. also he is that. He doesn't care about the factions. He doesn't care about the politics. He cares about what's right. Mm-hmm. And just like he said, I would kill you. Because voting against you would be just like killing you. So I might as well do it myself and take take the ownership of that. And I thought that was really... I mean, he's a great character. And I, I really like him. because. And I also love how he... I've never said this before, and I'll never say it again. But what the council doesn't know, doesn't hurt the council. I just love that. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, he just cuts
2: through all the bullshit, yeah. basically. So, why was he here? Because he was listening. Okay. Uh, I think oh. that he... He wanted to keep tabs,
0: and... Because I don't think he wants Harry to fail. I think he... He sees more, and, and you we kind of saw this in the council meeting or whatever it was called, I think he kind of sees more. He, as he said, he listens. Harry listens. That special skill that they have where they hear and see beyond the, what is offered in front of you. I think uh-huh. he might, I mean, in that way, maybe it's that he sees something of himself in Harry and he just wants Harry to have the chance because he, he's on Harry's side, it seems like. But I think he's also, he's on Harry's side because it's the right side to be on. It's not a political thing. It's Harry's doing the right thing by him sticking around and continuing on this to go through where he said other wizards would stop. No one would expect one person to handle all of this. And (laughs) Harry's, oh, I'm an idiot, so I'm going to do it, you know. But that's I think that is while he is not perfect, I think that um, the gatekeeper sees the right in Harry,
2: Mm -hmm. if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, no, for sure. I I mean, he's a character that comes up a few times moving forward and definitely a a fan of his at every interaction. Um, Again, there's something different about him. And I don't know if it's ever explicitly put out there, but it's certainly intimated here that Mm -hmm. he has a unique relationship with time. Okay
1: in that, you remember the very, his very first appearance, and I, I asked you if you thought it was significant or not, and you didn't really catch anything with it, and that's not to belabor a point or anything, but he said, what is the date?
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. June 18th.
1: Like, ah,
0: of course. Um, was that maybe in relation to the stone table, to the, the, the uh, Midsummer? Oh, quite possibly.
2: But what I mean is that he... He knew Harry was going
1: to be here in this moment because he knew Harry was going to be here in this moment.
2: Yeah. As in, it's against... What law is that? The sixth law of magic, I believe? I don't know all the laws of magic, so... No, I know. Yeah, the sixth law of magic is thou
1: shalt not swim against the currents of time. Interesting. So... I don't necessarily think he's swimming against them, mm-hmm. but I feel like he's glancing down up and down river at will. Okay. Because he's in the right place at the right time a couple times. Mm-hmm. He also says, "I need to hear what the emissary to wit to summer Sorry, I need to hear what the emissary to winter says."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then they're like, "Huh? And then, they, and then, the, they and then the wardens open the door, right? So
0: yeah.
1: he definitely has a different relationship with time okay. and the flow of time than anyone we've met so far. I don't know to what extent. I don't know mm-hmm. to what reason. Um, but I think it's a necessary and notable part of his characteriza- characteriza- characterization. Mm-hmm. Words are so hard. And again, it's just a great character. And it just adds some nuance to him that it's Ill- it is illegal to time travel. That's against yeah. the laws of magic. So if he's doing that, it's obviously not ideal. But if he's just, you know, we've seen Cassandra's tears already. Mm-hmm. So we've seen, we have seen prophetic visions yeah. exist in the in universe. Yes. So p- perhaps he has something along those lines. Again, I don't have a ton of analysis based on it. It's more it's just I want you to, Recognize kind of no, the differences of the story and then keep that in mind moving forward.
0: Well, and it also, it's almost as though he spends time on another timeline where he, his, much like the fairies, where time is human time is so slow to us, but it's so fast, or it's so slow to them, so fast to us. It's almost mm-hmm. as though he kind of has the idea that time isn't a singular line, it's more of like a wave. And he's on the part of the wave that goes forward and then comes back, if that makes sense. And it's Interesting. No, I like that idea. And it's the listening aspect, which I believe probably increases that, where he hears – he might not see these things, but he hears these things. He hears the oh, voices from the future speaking to him. And that's why his listening is so powerful. And would that
1: suggest that that's a power that Harry could pick up in the future?
0: I think so. Maybe not in the same way, but the fact that he – the listening, that Harry might be able to – hear more and see more through that hearing, that listening than, and than a normal wizard would be able to.
2: Interesting. There's a, uh,
1: so the series is, you know, it was soft planned and then he kind of, you know, more specific with the plans. Mm -hmm. I've mentioned already that at some point before the end of this thing, Harry's going to have broken all seven laws of magic. Yeah
0: he's broken a couple so far.
1: Yeah, well, then but, so that um, means he's
0: got to do something with time.
1: Exactly. He, at some point, he's going to have to swim against the currents of time. But um, so we know that all the books before the big apocalyptic trilogy, there's a, f- a handful here. And based on things that Jim said and things that, um, you know, we've inferred from the text and stuff is that we know that there's, the next one is going to be called 12 months, which is about a year. It's <laughs> about a year. It's about a year in the life. And then after that is going to be a mirror, mirror, mirror. Okay. Where there's a uh, mustache twirling version of Harry from a parallel universe. I was
0: say from an alternate universe.
1: Yep. And then that is, it's going to be 18, 19. Number 20 is going to be a, uh, there's a, every five books, there's a recurring group that we meet next week or uh, not next week in two weeks, I guess we'll meet them. Mm-hmm. They uh, come up every fifth book. So this Books 20 is going to be about them. Okay. And then there's going to be a, uh, like a Greek, G- Greek or Roman god, Roman god wrestling book called either Body Slam or Heel Turn, which are both uh, okay. wrestling terms. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the time travel book, and then there's the big apople- apocalyptic tri- trilogy is what people think now. It's kind of how it's... That's the belief system. <laughs> yeah that's kind of the understanding um but i just hey i love how much we know about it while mm-hmm. also knowing nothing you yeah. know what i mean like I,
0: that's but, the greatest uh, tease because it draws you in it's got a yeah. hold on you
1: also i've said in this podcast because i read it online and when you read something online it's true right <laughs> that the big apocalyptic trilogy would not be in first person narrative
0: interesting and,
1: and i thought i got that off of a word of jim but I haven't been able to find it. So um, I could be making that up. So um, <laughs> none of the super, super matters, which it's it's all a lot of it's just conjecture oh, and yeah. but stuff it's about fun. future novels that we may or may not ever, ever even get to, you know. But it is fun to dive into the future mm-hmm. of what we got ahead of us. So I know enough to know, I don't know enough. <laughs> exactly. Goodness gracious. Alright. Um, beyond the gatekeeper, um, I mentioned I really like the unraveling just as a cool description and cool idea mm-hmm. for music. For music. Music is pretty magical to me. It's hard to do. <laughs> you, anyone who can play a guitar is basically a wizard. Piano doubly so. Oh yeah. Um, what uh any other thoughts or concerns or ideas or stock tips?
0: Still hate Elaine. Um, yep, yep, yep. buy low sell high <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> that's about all I got
1: All right. any uh, yikes
0: no there was no not really I mean the creepy he did have a creepy moment of, of mm-hmm. eyeing one of the girls coming out of the van but it wasn't like where she had been you know she'd been just a, like a, a child and now was a curvy ass woman not a child but he said that she was you know just uh, she was just a soft Sweet girl, and now she's a curvy ass. Uh, could be on the cover of a men's magazine or something like that. He said that was only, and it wasn't even that bad. Yeah, no, I didn't think it was that bad because um, it was very much said in passing. Then the other girl's like, "Yeah, she's been awful."
1: <laughs> yeah, I, really. Again, it wasn't really an opportunity to be super yikesy, but um,
0: yeah, it, there's just too much going on.
1: Um, what'd, you, what'd you make of the mothers? I think they're great.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I thought the d- the d- they were just fascinating.
1: Yeah, and just uh, there's a lot in their cottage that I'm curious about the teeth. Yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Like, there's the teeth, there's the jars. Um, so we do we do visit this cottage again at some point. Um, I assume we learn we a little would. bit more, <laughs> a little bit more. But it is um, they're mysterious and interesting. Like you said, I do like their how their relationship is a lot less antagonistic. Oh, yeah, than than, than the other levels of the courts. Um, just very good stuff.
0: I was just thinking to myself, I was like, it's like they're Gen X, (laughs) the uh queens are millennials, and the ladies are Gen Z, where it's just like escalating conflict (laughs) among themselves. And the mothers could just be forgotten, and they'd be fine and happy. Huh.
1: Um, I don't really have anything else in my notes here mm-hmm. beyond that. Um, what? Uh,
0: what do you got for quotes of the week? Uh, my most of them we we uh, we read through, but my absolute favorite was in chapter twenty-seven. Call me a pessimist, but my life has been marked with a notable lack of cavalry. <laughs> I mean, that just I really enjoyed that. Oh, yeah, that was a really um, good one, for sure. I really liked... Uh, unicorns? Very dangerous. You go first. <laughs> As well. And the last one was, You foil a fairy queen, I panted to myself, Survive your own execution, get away from certain death, and get, up, get stuck up a freaking tree. <sighs> I enjoyed that immensely. It's just that, you know, it's that laughter in the face of danger, which we see from Harry all the time. Oh yeah, and it's fantastic. The, uh, when they right when they get out of the uh, carriage, there's a creepy looking raven. Mm-hmm. The twisting trees and the fog—it's just, I love it. Um, Super creepy and awesome.
1: Elaine says, "Cheery." He's like, "Yeah, very Baskerville."
0: <laughs> I love that. I actually wanted to mention that um, when we were in that chapter, but I got distracted by something else. Oh, yeah, that's
1: why I didn't. I saved it. Yeah. Um, and then you read this one. Or did I read this one? You read this one, I think. It doesn't matter. But um, no offense, but I didn't come here to, so that I could ask, that you could ask me questions. Yes. Are you sure? How do you know you didn't?
0: That's <laughs> just <laughs> like, like a mind fuck. It's great. Yeah, just... <laughs> but I, I also oh. liked the. Um, my fashion sense is somewhat stunted, but I still had to wonder, what do you wear to a war? You're true. I mean, it's just, you know, it's this... Um, Cheekiness in the eyes of absolute and abject danger. yeah, it's fantastic.
1: I like the um sorry, I forgot to mention just because we were talking about the uh, that scene there as we get whatever. Mm-hmm. I forgot to mention it, but the um we touched on it with the unicorn mind stuff. Mm-hmm. but throughout it's always been mm-hmm. coric and the Grand marshal, like have been presumably Coric was like the chlorophine, maybe, I don't know. Um, mm. but like it's just been I don't know it just change just doesn't really change how we
0: look at those scenes but like it does add to the the underlying manipulation yeah I don't know. just make it but it's, it's like also interesting that, how, reveal, that reveal is a
1: reveal for the whole novel oh it because changed. yeah
0: because when we're yeah. at the Walmart with the chlorofiend we have the this the examples of summer and winter working together and mm-hmm. it's sort of the, oh, well, shit, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. And that's Lloyd and.
0: Exactly. Lloyd and Aurora. I guess that wraps it up. You have any other thoughts here before we get into your crackpot theory? I mean, my crackpot theory came true this week. So, I mean, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I'm up with a new one. I'll have to see. Uh, maybe, on, maybe on this one, we'll see where we go with it. It's great. Okay
1: yeah i I, again it's like it wasn't very actiony we kind of alternate with these really action packed ones and then like that expo dumps action expo and we're clearly getting into the big action set piece finale right we're climbing up into a war so this is a literal war yeah this is going to be the big blowout you know this season's budget that we saved up all all the bottle episodes we saved up for this falls to the walls Um, Exactly. So this is going to be the big big. This was a great story moment. Mm-hmm. We learn of Elaine's treachery. You know, we, we certainly get called it. the pieces <laughs> all thunk into place. Yes, um, you know, we get we
0: learn we meet the mothers and there's just a lot of interestingness.
1: Yeah, we 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 solved the mystery of the Tigress. Yeah. Um, And the sniper, which I don't think was it was kind of like an afterthought. Really? It doesn't mm-hmm. really fit. It, it's just remember when I said. It's a little bit too jumbled parts of this book. I, I don't really think it adds anything, but, um, having the red court also be hiring an assassin mm-hmm. because they need to ask the questions. Why does the red court know Harry's going to show up to this doc at this time? Yeah. Um, somebody
0: else, maybe somebody else has on their payroll. Yeah. You know, there's just more, uh, really more questions than answers, which yeah, is fine you're writing a book series.
1: Um, but, um, yeah, we didn't really meet Ace a ton. We met him a couple times early on, yeah. but he was always just kind of a jerk and distant. We didn't really get to know him at all. Yeah. Um, but we are uh, creeping up into uh, the bitter but, end. Um, he's got some new tools this time as he heads up those steps. Yes. Any comments or thoughts on what's going on?
0: Um, I like we've seen the tracking spell so frequently. I love Mm -hmm. it that that the gatekeeper gives him the access to the tracking spell. And I also do love that the eye black is what makes it so they can see through the veil. Mm -hmm. I think it's wonderful. I really did. There's there's just so many great story bits that are just there. They really do so much to develop the world that we're in. And I absolutely love it.
2: Mm hmm. Um he's got his gun, he's got some box knives. Yep. I'm,
0: All curious, ready to go. I'm curious
2: about the box cutters though.
0: Why is that? I mean, what's the purpose of them? I think I think you cut boxes. Well yes, but are there going to be a large number of boxes? Well, maybe the recycle bin's overflowing. Oh, there you go. But yeah, I mean I I, I loved it. I, I really did like all the parts that we've learned.
2: What else is in the doctor's beliefs. That's true. We don't know. Very good point. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Um, Well, why don't you get us out of
1: here with a uh, crackpot theory? What do you got?
0: I don't have a new one, but um, I don't think, I think uh, what's her face. Elaine is going to try and redeem herself, but I think it's just going to be, she's going to be part of the downfall. I don't think they're going to axe all of the involved parties. I think they will get some punishment, but I I just don't. She's not going to make. She's going to make it out alive. Okay. And she's still going to be a bad guy. And I think she's going to show up regularly to screw shit up. That seems to be her M.O. Which is so frustrating. What's that? Which is so frustrating. (laughs) Fair enough. But yeah, I think we're good. That's good. All right. Good bits and bobs.
1: Beyond that, I mean, again, not earth shattering by any means, but definitely solid. Um, Some really good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I like, I like the reveals that we got. Yeah. I love, I love the gatekeeper circling back. That's always wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh yeah, man. Life is good. That's pretty great. But uh, next week, we're going to finish up this novel. Yes, sir. Which is, um which has been a good one. Yeah. Again, I said, I said at the beginning, it's not my favorite. And it, it doesn't, Mean, I don't like it. I mean, there's 17 of these freaking things. Like, everyone can't be my favorite <laughs> <laughs> um, by definition. So some good stuff next week. We'll finish up Summer Night, and mm-hmm. then we'll uh, chat a little bit about what we're getting into with Death Masks. I think I might have said Grave Peril, but Death Masks is next week. Grave Peril's in a couple books.
0: Oh, Grave Peril last Yeah, week. I was going to say, we already did Grave Perils. sorry. I was confused um, for a sec there.
1: Death Masks. Death masks is the next one. Okay, and then uh, blood rights, White Knight, blood rights, then Dead Deadbeat. I'm just going from memory here. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, but yeah, no, uh, the world continues to expand um, as we get through this. But I'm really excited for this. Finale, we'll see how our uh, plucky wizard gets us out of this, or if he does, in fact, get us out of this mm. um, conundrum. Maybe they all die, and uh, we go into a ice age next week. Who knows? Maybe. The other 14, the other 14 novels are just... Burr! It's cold here. <laughs> Goodness gracious. All righty. Short of that, short but sweet this week, sounds like. Yeah, um, that's all right. Did get um, a couple people agreeing with... Your uh, initial consensus on the uh, why he didn't decide to help Meryl right away, I thought it was just because she wasn't attractive. They were thinking, well, I mean, it is a really significantly and specifically dangerous situation. Mm -hmm. So we had like four or five votes for that, and only a couple people backed me up. But I didn't tell people who backed me up to to email. So (laughs) it was a uh, (laughs) self-selecting study. But uh, clearly, you know some people don't think I always have the goods and that's okay but um i just i i love those conversations it's always great to get the feedback you know please continue to uh hammer those ratings on apple Heck and yeah. spotify and all those podcast places just literally give us any rating just let them know that we're engaging and people exist yeah um we picked up Turkey um in the last week and a half our uh, 28th different municipality how exciting not a Turk himself couldn't have made us more excited, but um, they're in an interesting way. When does that runoff happen? What the Turkey
0: runoff? I have no idea. Um, uh, I thought it was we had a little bit of time it didn't the, have to uh, wait a certain amount of time because the third place
1: guy endorsed Erdogan because who needs freedom or democracy anymore, you know? <laughs> Either way. Yeah. I hope our Turkish friends who are listening are uh, get the democratic breakthrough that we would we're all pulling for over there and maybe reset some of this fascism that's going on. But um, either way, even if Erdogan still clings to power, we still love you and appreciate you. Uh, um, May 28th. there you go. So by the time. There this, go. Is that this weekend? Uh, it's five days from now. Thank you, mathematician. <laughs> So our podcast comes out on Sunday. Hopefully it comes out to a free and democratic Turkey mm-hmm. as well as the rest of the world, whether it does or doesn't, we're still happy to have you beyond that ice.
0: Anything you want to throw in here as we get out of here? No, I, do. I mean, this is this, this book is, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. You know, and I would love our interaction with people. And I, like, like you said, it's great that we're, you know, people all over the place are, are listening to us. And, and, I uh, I hope it continues.
2: Absolutely positively. Mm. All right. Well, I will get us
1: out of here then. Um, we'll see you next week mm-hmm. with the conclusion of Summer Night. That's the last five chapters or so, twenty nine to thirty four or thirty to thirty four. Mm-hmm. and. Um- yeah, just appreciate you so much. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for spreading the good news or the bad news or whatever it is you spread about this podcast. Uh, it's just continues to grow and beyond all of our wildest expectations. I, I really appreciate everyone involved. Um, and yeah, just thanks so much guys. You have a wonderful time, uh, getting through this next chunk and a wonderful week till we meet again. I appreciate every single one of you, but most of all, the lady across the mic, but I have been Josh. And I am Alyssa. With the podcast was on fire. And it wasn't my fault.
2: Whew. Punk music. I knew you were.
0: I was like. I almost texted you and said I was right about that bitch. Um.
2: <laughs> Goodness. Ow. Ah. Ah. Oh, man. There's a solid weekend, and I got drunk as fucking balls Sunday. Okay. Woke up in my car outside a bar in San Clemente. Oh, at least you didn't drive. With, uh, Anonymous women's flip-flops on. Who are you hanging out with? James. Ah. And the girls in the bar, I guess. I don't fucking know. But I have, like, cheetah print (laughs) flip-flops. Oof. All right, you ready to rock? Hello, Marco? Can you not hear me? No. I said, are you ready to rock? And I said, yes. Liar.